Hello, this is Contractor Coffee Club podcast presented by EGIA, and I'm your host, Mark Madison. This podcast is hosted on EGIA.org slash podcast, where you can also find links to subscribe on Apple Podcast or Google Play, along with an archive of all previous episodes, a submission form for our listener Q&A, and the link to take the latest EGI snapshot survey. In today's episode, we have the privilege of interviewing David Holt from NCI. David, how are you this morning? Man, if I was any better, I'd be Mark Madison on the East Coast. Oh, dude, that's a scary thought. <laughs> doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you. So tell us, how did you get started in this industry? Oh, man, you want to go way back. So in before I was born, my grandfather was a heating and air contractor. My dad decided that uh, he was going to fly airplanes for the Navy for 21 years. So I was actually born on the road. But the heritage of heating and air was already started. My grandfather had been doing it since back in the 40s, started his business in 1956. When my dad retired from the Navy in 1977, he came home to a little town about 90 miles south of Atlanta called Columbus, Georgia. And he got involved in the family heating and air business, wound up buying out his dad. I worked in the business as a teenager after graduating from high school moved it to Columbus from California, which was a real big culture shock, but wound up uh, working in the in the warehouse for long enough to know that, gosh, maybe I better get some schooling because I didn't think I wanted to sweep floors and deliver parts the rest of my life. So I um, wound up going to college. Well, I got a business administration type degree and focused on software while my dad was beginning to run this business down here in Columbus. And uh one thing led to another. I got really heavily involved in the software industry. And in 1986, 1987 timeframe, my dad calls me up and he says, I need something to run our service department from a software standpoint. Well, if you think back to 1986, 1987 timeframe, um, personal computers were not exactly on everybody's desktop just yet. Uh, people like Bill Gates believe that would happen one day. And obviously he's turned out to be uh, turned out to be right for the most part. But uh, I was I was running a software company when dad called me and he said, I need something for the business. Went to an ACCA conference in St. Louis where they were showing off all the different software products out there in the market. And I was there to observe what was available for my dad. I was going there as a consultant for him and didn't really like what I saw, quite honestly. So I talked to him about the possibility of building a custom product specifically for the family business. And gave him a proposal. And after I picked him up off the floor from the heart attack for the price that I gave him, uh, I had 15 employees that was that were working for me at the time. So I had to, you know, I had to charge for the work. It wasn't a freebie type thing. Um, talked to him about the possibility of getting some other contractors involved in this project. And we did wind up getting a whole bunch of guys together. They all agreed that we needed something like this for the industry. They were gracious enough to invest in the product before the product existed. And uh, they were part of the design team for building a product called the Service Manager by H2 Solutions. That was my first real involvement in the industry. And it was more from a business perspective. Um, fast forward about seven, well, let's see, 84, yeah, about seven years to 1991. And uh, the company was consuming me. For all small business owners out there, you know what I'm talking about when you get to the point where you wake up middle of the night, you just go to the office and start working and 
everybody else is still asleep. And by the time you get finished for the day, you go home and everybody's already back in bed and you don't see anybody, you know, those types of days. Well, I had gotten to that point with my business where it was consuming all of my time and uh, all of my relationship with my family and my wife. Your kids were calling you Uncle David. Yeah, they said, who is this guy that's walking in? (laughs) Fortunately, I had a pretty... uh, a pretty strong wife. And she said, you know what? You help make these babies. You need to help raise them. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty, uh, pretty astute statement there. So we had some conversations and one thing led to another and I sold the software business and wound up moving 90 miles South from Atlanta to Columbus, Georgia, and got involved in running the family business. So I was third generation uh, president of Holt service company for several years. My dad was the chairman and owner of the business. And uh, in 1998, he got serious about wanting to to uh, retire. And of course, the, the thought process was that I would take over the business and pay him an, a handsome salary uh, moving forward for retirement. And about that time, it was kind of the second wave of uh, business acquisitions going on in our industry. And I was on the national board of directors for ACCA at the time and knew a bunch of people that were buying up companies. So I said, you know what, dad, let's do this. Why don't we why don't we get some of these guys to come in here and take a look at the business and let them value it for us so we don't argue about the value? Because, you know, if you're the buyer, you want to pay as little as possible. If you're the seller, you want to get as much as possible. Well, in the case of a father-son relationship, that makes for a little bit more tension than you probably want to have. Well, you're an SOB, aren't you? You're the son of the boss, so there's that. Yeah, and actually a GSOB as well, grandson of the (laughs) the, the boss too. So I I had a couple of strikes against me. So uh, dad, you know, fast forward that dad accepted a check for payment for his company in January of 1999. And, uh, I started doing consulting work within the industry. Mark, I think the first time you and I met was probably at a comfort tech. Um, I was in was at I the was very first one. Yeah, yeah. I was at the very first one, uh, in, in Cleveland as a speaker. And fortunately, I think, I was a presenter of, I don't know, 12 or 13 times at Comfort Tech. And I know we ran across each other multiple times there. So it was, uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a long road. It's hard to believe it's, gosh, over 30 years now of, of being involved in this industry. But I love it. You know, it's part of our, it's part of our family heritage. And I, I tell people I've got Freon in my veins. But the funny thing is, technically, I've never repaired a heating and air system. I've never installed a heating and air system. But I have sold millions of dollars worth of heating and air. And I've managed a company that sold millions of dollars of heating and air every year. So a lot of, a lot of involvement in it from a sales, marketing, administrative side, but not so much on the technical side. So you never changed a compressor? No, sir. I've seen it done. <laughs> you I've never breathed in phosgene gas. Okay. Well, uh, I know, but I've heard about it. That's exactly yes. right. Yeah. In fact, it's funny. Last night at, uh, I was having dinner at a local restaurant and uh, one of our senior service technicians, who is now 76 years old, was uh, walking into the same restaurant. And I, I called him over to the table and he had his son with him. And uh, it's just like, wow, what happened, Mike? We've, we've gotten old, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And we, we kind of were reminiscing on uh, the good old days when we were running the business. And, and it's hard to believe that that, that company was sold 20 years ago. And so I've been, I've been out doing coaching and training and consulting ever since. Well, there's an old aphorism that says, you know, you're old when your kids are middle age. Yeah. Well, my parents must be getting old because uh, I'm beyond middle. I'll be, I'll be 60 years old this year, Mark. 
Well, that's a good age. You just yeah. get started. That's yeah. right. That's right. So uh, I, I was thinking about those early Comfort Tech days. That's when Alex Carney was kind of running the show and mm-hmm. booking all those speakers. And uh, boy, he really did it right. Those were uh, those were heady times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. And, you know, Dominic Greeno, who was the editor in chief of contracting business back in the day and, and Jeff Forker, who was the, yep. the publisher. I mean, that whole crowd back then, they had a vision for, you know, tr- really trying to transform the industry from being um, simply craftsmen. You know, I mean, I'm sorry, simply tradesmen that, you know, get paid to do work in the uh, in an industry to actually being craftsmen by looking beyond just swapping out boxes and really trying right. to focus on on really delivering the safest, healthiest, most comfortable and energy efficient systems possible to the consumer. And I remember a, an article when I was running dad's business that I read in contracting business that really piqued my interest in that whole process. And the, the title of it, I don't remember the exact title, but it was basically something like looking at the whole house as a system. Right. right? right. And uh, that whole that whole thought process just kind of blew my head up and and we got focused on that on that whole house approach as a contractor back in the in the early 90s so we we've had a long a long uh, exposure with that type of stuff but yeah those guys were they were uh definitely kind of free thinkers from you know from back in the day and and I know that uh unfortunately Jeff passed away several years ago now but if he was to come back right now. And I say this about my granddad all the time as well. If he was to come back right now and see the HVAC industry as it is today, compared to what he was used to with a, you know, a Honeywell T87F and a heat anticipator to now you change your thermostat on your cell phone and, oh my gosh, what's a cell phone? You know, um, it is, uh, it's pretty amazing what's gone on in our industry. Dominic, Jeff, and, and Alex were all pioneers. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Alex told me that yeah, everything he learned about sales and marketing and, and running a magazine, he learned from Jeff. So, And mm-hmm. I, I had the privilege of having breakfast with Jeff uh, just uh, probably a year or two before he died. So, yeah, he mm-hmm. was an interesting guy, fascinating, really smart. Interesting story um, on him real quick. We were in, uh, in Dallas at uh, the predecessor to Comfort Tech, which was the show. I know you remember Focus on the Future that was put on by Linux Industries at the time. Um, I was in a car, rental car that uh, Jeff Forker was driving. Dominic was sitting in the front right seat, and I was sitting in the back seat with Matt Michelle. And uh, we were all heading to the evening event, and uh, Jeff and Dominic were up front talking to each other about different ideas. And I remember I was a contractor at the time, and I remember Dominic spinning around and saying, what do you guys think about? keeping this concept right here, what's going on at Focus on the Future, open for the whole industry, but not being specific to any particular brand. Right. You know, we were just like, man, I, I think you have something there, right? And, and so he said, would you guys be willing to be speakers if we were to do that? So, so yeah, so we were one, I guess we were a couple of the first two speakers ever tapped to be involved with it, which was pretty cool. So it's just a neat, it's a, a neat relationship to have with an industry that gives so much back to society. I mean, think about, I mean, I live in Georgia right now. It's in the 90s. And uh, I actually stood outside most of the day yesterday in the sun and heat and humidity. And uh, when I got in my house, I said, thank you. <laughs> thank you for working, number one. And thank you right. for the invention. And number two, man, it's a it's a great industry to be in. It really is. I remember meeting Dominic uh, for the first time, and I was doing a seminar at Comfort Tech. And he came to me, he said, wow, he said, you your rooms are standing room only. And I've heard great things. And I said, well, it's easy when you got great people in the room. 
you know, mm-hmm. it was, uh, mm-hmm. I was saying he was the first guy to talk about soft skills and, and mm-hmm. that was, yeah, he was an interesting guy. So mm-hmm. what do you do now? Well, it's kind of come full circle. Uh, I said earlier that uh, whole service company, we, I, I, can, I considered our company one of the pioneers in this whole house approach and looking at the whole house as a system and, and focusing on actually delivering the promises that were made by the manufacturers on their marketing material that says, hey, you're going to actually save money on your utility bills when we install this piece of equipment. Well, a lot of times people don't get that. So uh, I'm taking that experience of doing that and actually have partnered back up with Dominic, who is the chairman of the board and founder of National Comfort Institute. He and Rob Falk are the uh, owners and founders of the business. And so I'm working with Dominic and Rob and our, our team of 30 plus uh, staff that to focus on helping contractors understand what they need to understand to go beyond just swapping out boxes and to make sure by measurement, not by guessing, but to make sure that the system that they're installing, not just the equipment, but the system, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute, but that the system that they're installing does deliver the safest, healthiest, most comfortable and energy efficient environment possible for that customer. So we're, we're helping contractors apply real simple uh, disciplines within the technical realm of, of, the, of the business. We're helping them apply those real simple technical disciplines to, uh, to actually be able to deliver what the customers deserve. And the whole, it's, it's house, the whole house strategy. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, it's interesting. Uh, NCI focuses primarily on the HVAC system aspect of it. We don't ignore the what's known, known as the thermal envelope and the pressure envelope. I'll explain that in just a second. But we don't ignore the building shell itself. We don't say, uh, you know, just get the air conditioner right and don't worry about the fact that there's no insulation in the house. Obviously, if you're in the comfort business, you've got to be able to solve all the problems in the home. And many, many times, you know, we can put an HVAC system in and make a bunch of assumptions about the house like, oh, it's insulated. Oh, it's actually sealed up properly. Oh, you know, all those different things that can impact the comfort of someone's home. If we make too many assumptions that the builder actually built the house the way that you expected it to be built and the insulator actually insulated the house the way you expected it to be insulated, and then you put in your system and it doesn't work, but the equipment is doing everything it can, but yet the, the customer's still dissatisfied. You got to be able to go beyond the box, get, go beyond the furnace, go beyond the air conditioner. You got to be able to go beyond that box and figure out what is causing the problem. So I said a minute ago, thermal envelope and pressure envelope, the building shell itself is really made up of those two components. The thermal or the pressure envelope is basically the sheetrock, windows, doors, and so forth that separate the inside space from outdoors, right? So it's all those construction components that come together to separate indoor air from outdoor air, right? So that's the pressure envelope. It's kind of like wearing a windbreaker on a cold Seattle day. You can wear a windbreaker, and as long as you don't have that wind blowing directly on your skin, you can actually feel pretty comfortable without a ton of insulation. But then when it gets really, really cold and windy, that's where you got to throw that, that thermal component in there. That's where the thermal envelope comes. That's the insulation to try to keep the heat from transferring from your body to the outside world uh, too rapidly, right? So the two pieces combined of the thermal envelope and the pressure envelope create the, in essence, skin of the house. And uh, if that's not right, 
you're not going to be able to keep it comfortable. So contractors, HVAC contractors, need to clearly understand the interactions between those two. It doesn't mean necessarily that a heating and air guy has to be the one to fix those problems. But as we like to say, if you identify a break in the insulation on your duct system, you're going to fix that insulation. If you identify a break in the duct system in terms of air, like an air leak in a duct system, you're going to fix that air leak. That's Those are givens. Well, if you identify a break in the insulation or a gap in the air separation system, the thermal and, and uh, pressure envelopes of the house, if you identify those breaches, then it's the responsibility of a professional comfort contractor to at least report the problem so that the customer can decide that they need to get that solved or not. Does that make so sense? It's, in, it's an insulation check, ductwork check, air pressure check, air changes mm -hmm. per hour check. Mm -hmm. Oh, and oh, by the way, the equipment. Oh, yeah. The equipment's kind of important. There's no doubt about it. It's the heart and lungs, basically, of the system. But you think about it, if I've got all those other things wrong, if I've got leaks from a duct system standpoint and I'm pumping half the air into an attic or into a crawl space or, or into a basement, that's, that's not going to provide adequate air for the rest of the house. And there's just all kind of issues that come into temperatures and pressures and equipment operation, equipment reliability, customer complaints. I mean, there's so many things that go into that. And, and an amazing thing is uh, air typically is not visible. But with proper instrumentation, you can make air very visible and you can understand exactly what's going on with pressures and temperatures in a, in a controlled space. And, one of the things we like to think about is the concept of, you know, we, we think about the, the duct system, the typical duct system that an HVAC contractor considers when he says, yeah, I, I got to go do some, some duct work. Well, here's the interesting thing. I'm standing right now in a, in a room where as I stare at the ceiling, my, my system actually is in the, in the attic in this house. So as I'm staring at the ceiling, I'm seeing a, a supply register. and there is a return right outside of my office door here. So think about this, Mark. Am I standing in the duct system right now? Think about what connects the supply air coming out of my supply register to the return grill. What, what connects those two? Sheetrock, windows, doors. Right. So that's the customer side of the duct system. If we don't pay attention to the customer side of the duct system, at least understand it and then be able to report it when we find failures, then we're not going to be able to solve some longstanding problems that consumers have been living with. If we do understand it, we can solve hidden problems that guys walk past every day. And that's what NCI is all about, is we try to help ensure that contractors are equipped with the tools and training that they need to be successful in solving virtually any safety, health, comfort or efficiency issue as it relates to someone's home or, or business. It's pretty you're exciting really stuff. You're actually. really teachers. You know, you're offering education and you're raising the awareness for both contractors and the consumer. Mm -hmm. True. So what's the biggest issue contractors face right now? You know, when I was on the ACCA National Board, I was on the Education Committee, and we surveyed members on a regular basis to try to figure out what our priorities should be since, you know, we were contractors helping contractors improve their business. And even back in the 90s, when I was on the national board, uh, one of the biggest issues was it's hard to find and keep good people. And it's, it's even 
more challenging today with the the focus that has been on uh, from an education standpoint with the focus that that people have had uh, in academia to push everybody to computers and push everybody to you know this different types of of uh, college based education the uh, technical based education systems in our in our country are not at all like they used to be and the allure for a trade is it's just not been there like it like it used to be back in the day uh, i think the uh, biggest challenge we still face is finding people that really do want to just excel in using their hands and not everybody's cut out to be a a ceo of a start of a software company i found right. out i wasn't cut out to be a ceo of a software company well, I was I was chief cook and bottle washer. I was doing it all. I was a typical entrepreneur that had an entrepreneurial seizure and didn't know how to set it down. You know, but right. uh, I've, I've learned that now. I help a lot of people kind of get through that now because I've got the experience of actually doing it myself. But uh, I think I think one of the biggest challenges is definitely having people on the team that really do understand what their roles and responsibilities are within the organization, and most importantly, what their roles and responsibilities are for the customer. And one of the things that I love to teach, and I've done this for years and years and years, goes way back even to my software company days, we focus on helping people look through the eyes of their customer, right? And understand what's important to the customer. So we look through their eyes, we deliver the products and services that they need, that they want, but most importantly, what they deserve. And you think about that, it's three different things. What do you need? Well, I'm, hearing, I'm hearing loud and clear empathy. Uh -huh. Control the labor, control the market, uh -huh. and be crystal clear on the employees' roles and goals. Uh -huh. All of the above, right? Yeah. It's, all inter it's all systematic too, isn't it? It's a process. Right. It's a process. So we got to have good people. We got to have good process. If we have good people and a good process, then it's hard to make a bad product, hmm. right? Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's, the old, uh, it's the old adage, if you build it, they'll come. So it's about, you know, when I tell contractors, it's about becoming the employer of choice in your region. Mm -hmm. And it isn't just, you know, how much, how much, how many dollars an hour am I going to get? But do mm -hmm. I have, do I have all the things I need to take care of my family? And, uh, and more importantly, do I feel a part of uh, the organization? Am I making a difference? Is my contribution, you know, impacting not only the, the company, but the customers as well? Yeah. And, and when you think about today's, uh, I'll just classify them as millennials. I mean, I've got, I've got one, actually I've got two, but my older of the two says, I don't want to be classified that way. I said, well, your age bracket says you are. So um, mm. they're one of their driving forces is they want to have an impact. Yes. Okay? They want, they want to have some uh, sense that they are making a difference and it's not all about making a dollar. It's more about making a difference. And, and and one of the things that, that I try to get people to, to buy into, and I think this can help solve some of the problems that contractors are facing today, and it ties into exactly with what you're just saying, is that if we can get the team to recognize what their real purpose is, and if we can get them to get beyond making eight, right, just having a job that's just getting me by basically in life and and go from a, a, an organization that is not just 
not just into fixing stuff. I mean, to me, I, I used the terms a minute ago, tradesmen and craftsmen. A tradesman is someone who fixes it when it breaks, but a craftsman wants to make it better than ever before. Right? right. There's a difference there. Fix it when it breaks. You get paid to fix it. Okay, that's great. And you just walked by a thousand ways to make it better. And you're afraid to bring that up with your customer because, oh, I don't want to, you know, everybody just wants to pay the lowest price. Well, you know, if everybody wanted to pay the lowest price, why are there so many Mercedes dealerships across the world? Right. Why are there so many BMWs? Why is Tesla even in business, right? If everybody wants the lowest price, why do these people thrive? I, I, I tried to buy an Apple computer recently and they were expensive. <laughs> That's not the lowest price. It's just right. not. Right. So to me, you know, tradesman, a tradesman, he replaces, but a craftsman, he renovates. I mean, think about that. I, I love I love to think about this idea. You know, my wife's a big HGTV fanatic. She loves watching the shows on HGTV and things like Fixer Upper and stuff like that. She just loves it. And I thought to myself, how how long would a show on HGTV last if it was titled something like Replace My Bathroom? Right. And the whole gist of the show is they go in, they take pictures of the bathroom as it exists. Let's say we're in a 1958 ranch and uh, and, and we're looking at this this house and all the fixtures are 1958. Nothing has been changed except the linens. Right. So the tiles, the same, the tubs, the same, the t everything's the same as it was in 1958. So they come in, they take all these pictures, all this video. And, they do a bunch of stuff, and at the end of the show, they come back and they take a before and after of the place, and it looks identical because what they did is they replaced it with all the exact same stuff, right? So replace my bathroom. How long do you think that would stay on the air, Mark? Yeah, no, not so much. Yeah, probably not, right? Because usually you see those shows, and it goes from 1958 to, you know, 2018, and you're just like, wow, wow, right? That's, that's, that's quite a difference. Well, that's what when, – when the team, when an HVAC contractor's team – recognizes that their business is to provide that wow, to give that customer some feeling that, wow, I can't believe that I only paid this much to enjoy this much safety, health, comfort, and efficiency. So craftsmen, what they do is they discover solutions to problems by putting their hands and their creative minds to work on really solving that problem. And so many times I've seen it, I witnessed it in my dad's business early on, uh, so many times we don't give our people in the field the tools and training they need to be able to actually identify what the real problem is in someone's home and then be able to solve it. So the, the whole craftsmanship concept to me is powered by a sense of discovery and pride. And we used to use pride in my dad's business. We actually had a sticker we put on every piece of equipment that we installed. And we, we, we flat says right on installed with pride buy. And I had my guys, my lead installer, the assistant, and the quality control inspector, I had all three of them sign each one of those labels on our equipment. So it was installed with pride. And we use pride as, a, as a, an acronym. It stood for personal responsibility in daily execution. And the execution was execution of the process required to make us proud of this work. And it, it's made a huge difference in our team's confidence, right? Their confidence to be able to solve problems for customers. With confidence comes trust. The customers were like, wow, yeah, if you say do it, that's what we're going to do because I have complete confidence that you know what the heck you're talking about. And you guys have a history of delivering 
on the promises that you make. You, you know, we didn't have five-star reviews back then because the internet didn't exist. I mean, we were still buying yellow page ads in, the, in 1990, right? But uh, what's what's a yellow page? Exactly. Well, we used we used to use them to you know raise our kids up a little bit closer to on the, at the table. So they were nice thick pieces of paper that books with a bunch of names in them that when you got bored you just kind of saw if you were in there or not. You know. <laughs> Um, well, I'm yeah. also hearing you say that pride is really about accountability and commitment. Well, absolutely. I mean, uh, I know that you're a, a little bit of a basketball fan. It seems like I remember. Um, and, and you think about it. I mean, if you if you don't have accountability on the team, you got five guys on on your side and five guys on their side out there playing. Um, if you only got one guy on your side that's actually playing, and the other four just standing around. You, you think maybe that one guy's going to start holding those other four accountable? And more, more, more likely, it's four guys working their butt off and one guy's slacking. You think those four guys are going to start ribbing him instead of worrying about the competition? They're going to be holding him accountable to doing his job, right? Well, when everybody understands what each other's job is and they know the purpose, they understand the purpose for why they're doing what they're doing, man, it sure makes life a lot easier when everybody is working together to achieve a common goal. Right. And, and the accountability thing to me, you know, a scoreboard is a perfect example of accountability. If you put a, if you go to, to a game, if you go to a, a stadium, any, any venue that you've never been to before. And the first thing you do when you walk in that stadium is you look for the scoreboard because that's your connection to the game. If you walked in 15 minutes late, the first thing you're going to do is look at the scoreboard and say, OK, where are we? Right. And then you pay attention to it the whole time. And, and that's that is a piece of the accountability puzzle. And again, one of the things that I think is really missing for a lot of contractors in our business is they don't have simple methods to let their entire team know if we're winning the game or not. Hey, right? by measurement. My, my second year selling commercial service agreements, I worked mm -hmm. for a company that posted the results every month. And mm -hmm. the one time I wasn't number one. I got so mad. I showed mm -hmm. up early. I stayed late. And the next month I was back on top. Imagine and it, that. So, imagine so that. you're saying measurement increases your performance. Is that what you're saying, Mark? Evidently. Huh. Yeah. Huh. And that's, that's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. It's every, it, to me, it's everything. The business is about results. It's about getting Absolutely. and keeping customers. And how are you doing? How's your, how's your scorecard, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's one of the things when I ask people and they can't answer the question, I, got, I, I know we got a problem. If I'm talking to a guy and he's having trouble with, with cash flow and, and profitability and all that stuff, if I ask him, what's your overhead? And he says, about eight feet. I know where right. the problem is. Right? Right. He doesn't understand money. Right. So, yeah, we got, we got to figure out what the real issue is. We got to, we got to survey people. We got to understand what's going on. And, and we got to go beyond what we can see sometimes, because again, I said earlier, airflow is invisible. If you can't see it, you got to find some way to measure it, right? So what we try to do with, with NCI is, is help people understand how to measure things that are unseen. I mean, think about it. If you go to a doctor's office and, you know, when you get 60, you go to doctor's offices more regularly, right? So I've got- Oh, you're supposed to do that? No, oh, yeah, I've heard. I, you know, it's, 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 it was recommended by my insurance company years ago. So yeah, I started- I started doing a little bit more preventive work and I mean, it's amazing what happens. But when you go to the doctor's office, they, they run you through a series of tests before you ever see the doctor. The first test is, can you write your name on the check-in log, right? The second test is, do you have your insurance card and your copay, right? So they're testing you all along the way. Then can you sit in the waiting room for another hour while we call, wait to call you back? 
Then when we get you back, they get, they sit down and they take four vital signs. Typically, at least at my doctor, they take four vital signs. They take the weight, they take the pulse, they take your temperature, and they take your blood pressure. And the person who takes those readings just simply puts them into the chart. And then they take you back and let you do your thing with the doctor, right? When they finally show up. Well, what's the doctor look at? He looks at those measurements first. And then he starts asking questions second. And then he makes prescriptions. And you know, you've heard it. We've all heard it for years. Prescription without proper diagnosis is malpractice, right? So contractors, a lot of times, find themselves actually prescribing solutions to problems that they don't really even understand. Uh, I'm reminded of a job that this, this job sold us millions and millions of dollars worth of heating and air work because of the testimonial letter that this customer wrote about their experience. And the testimonial goes something like this. For over 20 years, my family's lived with a dust problem in our home. We called on others to look into the problem, but their attempts have been unsuccessful. I can now say that thanks to you, we're now free of the situation, right? And it was a dust problem. Well, I didn't say anything about heating and air, but a lot of people in the market spent a lot of time and money putting in high-efficiency filters and put in every, every silver bullet solution that they could try, and none of them worked. And was actually going back to the whole house as a system, it was actually duct leakage and pressure problems in the house right. that were causing the dust problem. It wasn't the air filter. All the air filters in the world wouldn't have solved that problem. In fact, sometimes the air filters made it worse. Back Didn't to the pressure envelope and the thermal envelope. Same thing, right? So customers have to understand the benefits, but more importantly, as a, as a craftsman, I got to understand those interactions. I got to understand why things happen the way they do. That's why I say that craftsmanship, in my mind anyway, it's powered by a sense of discovery. And then the pride that goes along with being able to not only discover the issue, but know how to solve it and know it with confidence. And, and it's cool because, true confession, I like beer, but I really love craft beer. I don't, I don't like just the, you know, the big manufacturer process beer, a beer. I like beer that you know, the small batch type stuff, you know, craft, craft beer, right? Um, and to me, craftsmanship and craft trades, it's, it's doing something that you love and doing it right, right? And so this whole idea of being focused on really, really, really understanding the interactions within a system of windows, doors, sheetrock, ducts, equipment, fans, blowers, and not just the fans in the heating and air system, but what about the bathroom exhaust fan, the kitchen exhaust fan? What about the water heater flue? What about the fireplace? All those different interactions that are all part of an indoor comfort system. Every bit of those, all of those things are involved in an indoor comfort system. But if all we're going to do as an industry is focus on the box, the the condensing unit, the evaporator coil, the furnace, if all we do is focus on that, we are missing such a great opportunity to be that craftsman that the customer actually is looking for. And you think about it, a craftsman, <laughs> I love this, they, they strive to make their good better and their better best, right? They're always trying to improve. They're always looking for new ways to make it faster, more efficient, more more whatever. Just give me more. I want it to be even better. And, and something I learned even in my dad's business 20 years ago is 
our customers patiently waited in line for our craftsmen to show up as long as it wasn't an emergency. If it's an emergency, you better be there, right? So if it's, if it's a broken down piece of equipment or you got water pouring out of a ceiling or something like that, you better get there right now. So if it's an emergency, you got to respond. But if you're doing things proactively in the industry to help keep the business operational 12 months out of the year, not just during peak weather conditions, but what happens in the mild weather conditions, you know, what can we do as contractors to do a better job of being more proactive and filling in those shoulder months with good, high quality, profitable work and, and customers that absolutely love what you're doing. I also learned in my dad's business that they'll willingly pay a premium price for craftsmanship. They well, and back willing. to your dust example, if two or three contractors have already been there and they still have dust, then the question to ask is, well, what would it mean to you to be free of the dust? Mm -hmm. And what would it mean to your family? Mm -hmm. And that's part of that discovery process you you that's mentioned. Exactly right. Well, you know, it's interesting because I, I get people that tell me, well, I know what people need. I was just at a contractor's office just about a month ago. We were doing an on-site coaching visit with them. And part of that process, I, I sit down and talk to individual players on their team and ask them a series of questions just to discover where their head is on certain things. And I can't tell you how many times I've walked into situations like that where a comfort advisor is so confident in his recommendations that he didn't ask the customer anything. He just goes in, he sees what size the equipment is, looks in his price book, gives a price to replace that piece of equipment. He says, I know what they need. And that's I said, prescribing well, before you diagnose. Exactly. Well, I say, well, let me ask you a question. If you put in a system in this person's house based on what's currently there, and you didn't know that they had 15 people come stay in their house for three hours every Sunday afternoon, and during those three hours, their house gets extremely uncomfortable. If you didn't know that, would your equipment actually keep them comfortable? Well, well, if that's a problem, they'll say it. Oh, really? You know, what's interesting as I've learned, if you don't ask, they don't tell because right. they don't think about it. They, they've grown accustomed to being uncomfortable. And they just say, well, if you have 15 people in here, there's no way you can be comfortable. Really? <laughs> How do we and use the auditoriums? And oh, by the way, 33% of the air in the ductwork isn't making it into the house. It's in the attic. Oh, that's, that's a small problem. That's just a small problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's interesting. Um, we've, been, we've been testing this stuff. The NCI contractors, NCI trained contractors have been testing the performance of duct systems for now going on 20 years. And over the past, for sure, 10 years, we've been recording those readings in a, in a piece of software. It's an online product now called ComfortMax. Comfort Max, one of the things we were able to compute is what percentage of the equipment's capacity is actually being delivered to the home. Right. That's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, think about this. Um, hey, Lucas, you out there? I am. You're a consumer. So what percentage of your heating and air conditioning would you expect to be delivered to your home? You know, I'd really like to target 100%. That would be my goal. That would make sense, wouldn't it? hundred percent would make it. That's sense. outrageous. Yeah, it is outrageous. There's mechanical reasons for that not happening. I can tell you right now, but the average right now, and this is, this is documented evidence. We did a pretty thorough analysis of this data and we keep it going. The average system today. Now this is a ducted system in North America, which is the most common method for heating and cooling in North America. 
the average system in North America only delivers 57% of its rated capacity. So, so Lucas, that's like going to the gas station. You put $10 worth of gas in your vehicle, and as you're putting the the hose over there back into the pump, you're, you're ready to pull away. You look over there behind your, your vehicle and there's 4.3 gallons on the concrete as you drive away. Hmm. That seems less pay than for 100%. Yeah, it's a little bit less than ideal, isn't it? So it, one of the things that we try to do is we try to help people understand that and understand that when you, when you really focus on that and you go beyond just being a tradesman, that's typically delivering 57% of the rated capacity of the system, which unfortunately is true. When you go from a, trades, a tradesman that's simply earning a living, then you can actually transform your business, your life, and your customer's life through craftsmanship, and you can actually create a lifestyle. Or you can actually go from just having a living, earning a living, to actually creating a lifestyle for everybody involved, employees, owners, customers, even the vendors that you work with. I mean, imagine how much more fun it is for a distributor to know that your business is going to purchase X amount of equipment from that distributor every month, 12 months out of the year. How much easier does it make that life for the distributor as well? They know what they need to stock. They know that you're going to be there. When nobody else is showing up, they know you're still showing up, right? So it really helps their business as well. So it actually can change everyone in the distribution chain from Mrs. Smith out there in her house all the way up to the manufacturers of the equipment through distribution and contractors, the whole nine yards. So by looking through the eyes of the customer and making sure that we deliver on the promise, you know, we, we promise to make you comfortable. When we, when we can do that with confidence, we can change our lives. And that's, that's something that gets me pumped up and gets me out of bed every day. Well, here's the thing, David. If we could just get you to come out of your shell, you know. Yeah, I'll try to not get excited about it. I'm sorry, man. I get to preaching sometimes. <laughs> oh, dude, it's so fun. And I love your metaphors, uh, doctors, basketball, windbreakers, and gas. That's great. Go. Those are easy, <laughs> sticky. They're easy to remember. Yes, sir. Well, as we're running out of time here, I want to make sure we get to the last question. Uh, how does NCI and EGI mesh? How does that work? That's a really cool, cool question. So EGI, I love these guys. I mean, you're part of the, the whole group and Weldon and, and the whole team. I mean, what we have on the EGIA side is we've got some of the best and brightest minds on the business side of this business, focused on making sure that we do know how to communicate with customers, focused on making sure that we do know how to get our numbers. I mean, Gary Ellix gets in there and does a great job helping you understand your numbers and how to track this kind of stuff and, and be in front of the problem instead of behind the problem all the time. I mean, so what we've done is we've taken the best practices in the business side, the sales side, and the marketing side, and we're now partnering up with the best practices in the actual product delivery side. That's what NCI is all about, is making sure that we as a team can empower and equip contractors to consistently deliver on the promise of safety, health, comfort, and efficiency. So we got the two top organizations coming together to say, you know what, we're actually worth a whole lot more to contractors when we do both, right? So we're, we're going to focus on the, we do focus on the technical side, have been for years, and EGI has been focusing on the business and marketing and and, uh, you know, just the whole communication side for years. And you think about the financing programs and the snapshot surveys and the marketplace with discounts and rebates and 
the whole contractor university. Obviously, if they're listening to the Contractor Coffee Club podcast right now, they understand that part. But the Ask the Experts conference calls, the Crack in the Code weekly shows, all that stuff, the online classes, the resource library, Epic, all those things, and the training that goes on throughout the year, all those things on the EGIA side are fundamentally required if you're going to build a business that earns a double-digit net profit. All those things are required. And then on our side, we're all about the performance side. We're trying to make sure that the contractor can deliver on the promises that are part of that. And we've got all kinds of tools and resources and training uh, that Product Comfort Max actually helps sell jobs based on performance, based on the performance deficiency. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing when you combine it together what you wind up with is the best business practices with the best technical practices, which creates the best contractor. So we're excited about this alliance between the two organizations because we think we can do more together than we can apart. The product delivery side, back to air pressure envelope and thermal the thermal envelope. Well, David, uh, gosh, thank you so much for carving out this much time uh, to share your insights. You're, you're, just a, you're a font of knowledge. <laughs> a lot of experience in these gray hairs, brother. It's been fun, and it's, uh, I think, uh, as you said, you know, 60, that's just getting started, and that's really where I feel like I am right now. I've, I've got uh, a lot of good years left, and I look forward to, to sharing more insights about things that we've learned that have worked over the years and working with contractors around North America and uh, love the opportunity to be more involved with the EGIA group. And, and we're, uh, we're pumped about the future. Well, you've forgotten more than a lot of people know. So I think we're really blessed to have you on this, uh, on this call today. Uh, Lucas, what would you add, my friend? That was a fantastic rundown, David. That's exactly the way I say it is. It's the leading industry business development organization partnering with the leading technical training organization. We we always, people are always asking EGIA if we, if we can get into the, the technical training side of things, and it's just not necessarily our core competency. We could, we have to reframe the entire business. So why don't we stay focused on what we do, which is developing your business, pricing, marketing, budgeting, all that stuff, uh, and partner with the organization that does technical training better than anybody, the preeminent technical training in the org organization and the industry and NCI. Uh, David, where do, where do I go to learn more about this wonderful Alliance membership? It's a really good question. So we've got a, a simple little website. The actual alliance, we call it the High Performance HVAC Alliance. We like the concept of high performance. And that's what we're trying to do is create high performance contractors that can deliver a high performance value to their customer, right? So it's all about high performance. So then go to HP High Performance, HPHVAC.net. And we've got a real simple uh, layout there that shows all the different benefits. Uh, there's the financial components are on there. You'll see all kind of opportunities for training and conferences and vendor programs and discounts and all those types of things that you expect in any type of a membership organization. But as Lucas just said, I mean, the, the, real, the real value here is having people with experience in this industry. And I'm talking about lots of years of experience. I mean, if we just put Mark's experience and my experience and and, and Wally's experience and Gary's experience and Dominic and Rob and all of our instructors, if we put all that together in terms of years, it, I, I would not be exaggerating to say collectively, it's probably in the thousands of years total when you put all the different players that are involved in both of these organizations together. So it's a, it's a, a rich resource when you combine the two that allows people to just go to the next level uh, at a pace that they're comfortable with. That's the thing I love. It's not like you got to turn the switch on and 
change everything overnight. In fact, that's a recipe for failure, <laughs> for sure. You want to make sure that you do it in a, in a simple and methodical way. And both sides of the, of, the, of the alliance have people in place to actually coach you through that, the, the steps, right? So uh, that's part of what I do in, the in, in our side is I focus a lot on implementation and sitting down with contractors and asking them, where are they right now? Where do they want to go? And then I help them get to where they want to be. And I'm really, really, really happy that my toolkit now includes the things that are available to an EGIA member when they sign up. So I've, I've been very, uh, very focused on making sure that the guys that I've been working with that have been really tied into the technical side with us get exposed to the, to the membership benefits on the EGIA side so I can use EGIA benefits to also help them excel in their business. So it's exciting. It's a, it's a great it's a great offer. I'm, I'm excited about being a part of it. And you'll save uh, to the point also, if you're already an EGIA premium member, you can upgrade. If you're already an NCI premium member, you can upgrade. The point is you're going to get Correct. all of the premium member benefits of both organizations yep. and you get it at, I think it's a $250 a month discount over what otherwise two individual memberships in each organization would be. Yep. And that, that's, that's a nice thing. Yeah, it's real nice that you could save a little money between the combination but, there. Yeah. But the most important part is, implementation of any of these things more than pays for the investment. I mean, it's just, it's a no brainer when it comes right down to and that's, it. That's just Especially the, the, actual, the total invest, the total monthly investment. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's a beautiful thing. Well, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to end this thing with a, with a quote from Henry David Thoreau. He said, many men go fishing all their lives without knowing that it's not the fish they're after. And I think what we do, our industry suffers from a low self-esteem and, and what we need to do is raise that the confidence and the profitability and, and the belief that, back to what you said earlier, you said safety, health, comfort, and efficiency. And if we do that, not only will the money take care of themselves, but the contractors will know that they're really making a difference in people's lives. So I thank you both for the time. That'll do it for today's episode. As always, visit egiaorg slash podcast to find this episode, an archive of previous episodes online, the online form to submit your questions for our mailbag segment, and links to subscribe to the podcast on Apple and Google Play and a link to the latest EGI snapshot survey. For more information about EGI membership, visit www.egi.org slash join. I'm Mark Madison, and for David Holt and Lucas Erbar, thanks for letting me play in your sandbox. I'll see you next time. Yeah.